deals in money. We are constantly seeking deals in money as real estate investors. And I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors. And you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Followup Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. That's a lot like a business is valued. Whatever company it is, there's not exactly comps out there, or comparable sales when it comes to business. So what metric you really look at is how much income does this generate and what kind of multiple am I willing to pay if I want to purchase that income stream. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Actively Passive Investing Show. I'm your host, Travis Watts. I've got a really short but exciting episode for you today. It is titled The Big Multifamily Advantage. I really want to nail down one fundamental key point that I wouldn't say necessarily people miss, but I would say is of fundamental importance and perhaps not talked about enough. And it's simply this, I'll cut to the chase. Multifamily apartments are primarily valued by the net operating income that they produce. So that's a lot like a business is valued. Whatever company it is, there's not exactly comps out there or comparable sales when it comes to business. So what metric you really look at is how much income does this generate and what kind of multiple am I willing to pay if I wanna purchase that income stream? When it comes to single family homes, they are primarily valued on comparable sales because there usually are comps to be had. You're usually talking about a house that's within a neighborhood and that builder had many floor plans and many models that were very similar in the same. So you would look at what are other three bedroom, two bath, 1500 square foot home selling for that becomes what your property is valued on. Now, I think all of that is pretty well known, we'll say, but what I want to dig into is how to actually generate a million dollars using a value-add business strategy when it comes to multifamily apartments. 
So let's do some real estate math. You know, this isn't my strong point, but I've outlined it here and I've made some notes to keep me on track. For example purposes, we'll say that we have a 200 unit apartment building. Okay, and by the way, just for frame of reference, a 200 unit in the syndication space in the real estate private placement world that I invest personally in, this would be one of the smaller properties that I would consider investing in. I usually don't do anything under 200 units. So for this example, just keep that in mind. I'm giving you a very conservative approach here. So let's say just to be true to being conservative that the group goes in with their value add plan and they're able to bump the rents just $25 per month across all 200 units, whether that takes them a month or a year or two years or three years, if they're able to accomplish that, what they've effectively done is they've increased the net operating income at the property level $5,000 per month. If you times that by 12 to get the annual outlook, that's $60,000 per year of new generated income that this asset now produces. And if this property happens to be in a market that is trading around a five cap or a five capitalization rate, I've made a couple episodes, a few episodes ago, if you want to check them out on how to analyze a cap rate, what it means and why it's important. So check that out. But for simplicity of this episode, we're just going to run with this particular market and this particular example has a five cap. So then here's the simple math to figure out how much value you have actually derived on this property, you would take $60,000, which was the annualized new income created by bumping the rents by $25 per month, and you divide that number, 60,000, by 0.05 or 5% because that's what the cap rate is for this market. And what you get is $1.2 million. And let that sink in for a minute. The value of multifamily, simply put, yes, there's other variables and factors, but generally speaking, it's net operating income divided by the cap rate in your particular market equals the approximate purchase price or value of the property. So let me ask you a question about that. Do you think it is reasonable or achievable in today's world where we've got inflation running nearly at 8% annualized that a $25 per month rent bump would be reasonable or achievable? I would argue absolutely. In the market I'm in, I'm seeing way higher rent bumps happening month over month. In the past probably 12 months, I would say more like in the range of $100 to $200 per month, so much larger scale. So $25, again, painting a very conservative example on a 200 unit is how somebody, including you as a general partner, could potentially increase the value of a property over a million dollars. This is why I am so sold on the value add strategy. This is why as a limited partner investor, I'm always looking at value add opportunities rather than purchasing turnkey properties or a core that are newly built or newly refinished and holding them just for the cash flow coupon. I like to capture some of that equity upside when possible. So if that's not exciting enough for you, then maybe you're not as big of a geek as I am. But let's think about this. I mentioned that I gave you a very conservative example. Let me give you more of a realistic example of a property in my own portfolio, or I should say a handful of properties I've invested in in my portfolio. It's more like, let's take a 500-unit apartment building. Let's bump the rents 150 per month over the course of several years. I'm not saying that we take it over and we just increase rents 150 a month. You're going to lose a lot of residents if you do that. This is just happening over the course of time. 
So you fast forward three, four, five years down the road. Let's say you were able or the group was able to achieve that. So what they just did effectively is they increased the net operating income on the property by $75,000 per month. You times it by 12. That's nearly a million dollars. It's $900,000 of newly created income. And again, if we take the same market we used in the previous example at a five cap, then you just simply do the math. You take 900,000 divided by 0.05 or 5% equals, drum roll, $18 million is what you just increased the property by. Approximate numbers, of course. There's lots of other variables, but approximately that. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. So all of this is why it's so important to understand the primary difference between multifamily and single family. When I first discovered how this worked and I first saw this happen with real people that were really investing, I just simply couldn't go back. I simply couldn't keep doing what I was doing, which is single family homes. So let's talk about that just for a minute and compare it to single family homes. So there's generally two strategies. I know there's a lot more, but generally there's two strategies people do with single family homes. When it comes to investing, you're either going to try to renovate and flip a property, buy low, sell high, or you're going to buy and rent it out in some capacity. So let's start with the first example of a flip. So to use some simple math, let's say you're doing kind of a more luxury flip. So you buy this home for a million dollars, the single family house, and you put $500,000 into it. You make it beautiful. So the goal is you're going to try to sell it for $2 million, right? That gives you kind of the margin, less the fees and the broker fees and taxes and all that kind of stuff. So that's the goal, right? But here's the deal. If while you're in the process of doing that kind of renovation, your neighbors or somebody close by with the same comps of home, they have a foreclosure or a short sale, or they just decide to sell low for any other reason, well, 
the primary driver to the value of your home is going to be based off the comps. Of course, they're going to consider renovations and things like that, and buyers will as well. But it's going to be really hard for an appraiser to come in and say, okay, you're asking $2 million for this home, and you have a buyer lined up that's getting a mortgage, but the most two recent sales around here were 900000 on other homes. I just can't justify saying yours is $2 million when the most recent comps were 900. So it didn't really matter that you put all your effort and energy in there and saw the vision because what was really controlling the value was the comparable sales around you. Now, let's take a second example, the buy and hold example. Let's say you bought that million dollar home, you put a resident in there, a tenant, and they paid above market rent. Off the top of my head, I don't even know what the numbers would be, but let's say they're paying $7,000 per month to rent it from you and your cost is $4,500 for your mortgage or something like that. So you're making exceptional cash flow. You've got a great renter. They've got the highest credit score ever. They make bukus of money. It's awesome, right? And they pay on time every single month. They pay right on the first. So the next year you raise the rent. Now it's $8,000 per month. So now you're getting well above market rents with an awesome tenant and you're a great landlord and you've done all the right things. But when it comes time to sell, if you choose to do that, does it really matter? The answer is no. You've increased the value of that property at $0. Even though you were able to bump the rents in the double digits going from 7,000 to 8,000, that's an awesome rent bump. But it doesn't matter because most often who's buying a single family home is an owner occupied individual. This is someone looking at your home and saying, I don't care that you have a renter in there. I don't care what kind of rent you're getting because I'm buying this property because I want to live in it. This is where my family's going to move into. So it really didn't matter, right? Even though you did all the right things. So again, it comes back to the comparable sales. So you're still doing a value add kind of strategy, right? You're buying this home, maybe fixing it up a little, putting a resident in, bumping the rent. But ultimately, you're not able to capture, in most cases, the same kinds of return on investment that you may have in multifamily apartments. So you guys, I made this episode just out of food for thought. So I'm not putting down single family investing. I know there's a lot of folks listening to this episode and in the community that flip homes and they do vacation rentals. And look, I did this stuff for six and a half years, single family. I did it all myself and I <laughs> I wasn't very good at it, but I did it and I tried. And my point is I'm just sharing with you my journey of where I came from. I tried these other strategies at the point that I got educated and I started realizing risk points and sustainability and other factors of scalability. I just decided that for me personally, multifamily apartments was kind of the next step and the move up, so to speak. So again, it was at the moment that I discovered the power of multifamily apartment investing that I really couldn't look back. I really couldn't keep going on the single family route that I was on. But you do you, like I always say, that it's not that you can't make money doing other strategies. It's not that you're not crushing it or getting great cash flow off your single family homes. Everybody's different. I just want to share this for some food for thought. If you hadn't thought through in the past how these value add strategies really come together when it comes to multifamily and how this income is able to be generated, well, this episode hopefully helped define that a little better for you. So thank you again so much for tuning in to another episode of the Actively Passive Investing Show. I'm your host, Travis Watts. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment. Let's connect on social media. I look forward to helping you or anybody else that you find might find some value in what we talk about here on the show. Have a best ever week. See you on the next episode.